When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, guys, we are back. We are back with a very, very, very special guest in the house. It's Matt Harmon, very well known from Reception Perception. ReceptionPerception.com along with his Reception Perception podcast. I, I call him, and he's, he's heard this from me before, he's a wide receiver whisperer. Okay. He watches <laughs> and breaks down wide receivers like nobody else. So he's going to break down these wide receiver prospects coming in to the NFL for us. He's also very known for all the content he's been putting out over the years on Yahoo Fantasy. He's the host of that Yahoo Fantasy football forecast as well. Uh, busy man, but he took some time out to help us today. Matt, Thank you for being here. Uh, the draft is 10 days away now, like we were just talking about. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great, now, and thank you so much for having me uh, and for all the kind words. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about a whisper, but uh, certainly nobody puts more, uh, like a higher percentage of their life um, thinking about wide receivers and working on wide receivers, maybe, uh, that, that's not employed by a professional team uh, Yeah, than, than me, I would say. So I, I appreciate it, man. And, and this class has been really fun to discuss. You know, I, I, like we said before, I'm, I'm ready for the draft to happen and ready to see where these guys land. But it's still a really interesting class. So I think you can pull a lot of threads that um, kind of speak to the wide receiver position as a whole and like really how you think about it philosophically and, and where guys fit and where they should play. I think that's the fun part about this class, uh, even beyond just the actual players in it. I agree, man. And there's been a lot of movement, you know, from when these, this draft process started a few months ago uh, until now. And particularly, I want to start with Quinton Johnston. Right. And mm -hmm. earlier in the year, you know, he was being talked about as someone on the level of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Right. And I honestly don't know. I, I didn't know too much about him when the process started, you know, after the season it was over. Like my draft process really starts in January once the se NFL season is over. Uh, but now that we're deep into the process, you know, Quentin Johnson went from a potential top 10 pick in the draft to maybe making his way out of the first round. He wasn't invited yeah. to draft day on uh, draft night on day one. Uh, Zay Flowers was, uh, and we'll get to him. But outside of his Quentin Johnson's rough draft process, like not having a great combine, a little bit of a rough pro day, do you think Johnston moving out of the first round is warranted, or do you believe that his skill set, you know, in a class that has a lot of smaller receivers, you know, is, is it, you know, is he still a first round pick in your eyes? You know, it's funny, Faraz, I think you, you've talked to me enough over the years and um, certainly people that have followed me over the years are not going to be surprised when I say this, but usually for me, the truth ends up being somewhere in the middle of like those two extremes. Uh, I definitely didn't view him after charting him for reception perception. I didn't view him as a guy that would be like a top 10 type of pick at wide receiver, but um, I certainly think he belongs in the late first round range. Um, actually, it's kind of funny. His draft process reminds me a little bit of like Traylon Burks from last year. And I, I'm actually curious where it, which of these two guys we can talk about that in a second, but like which of these two guys do you think is a better prospect? Which of these two guys do you think is a better player coming in? Because I, I think it's a pretty similar draft process where folks who watch them play at the collegiate level um, are really high on their skill sets, are really high on their athletic ability in particular because – Traylon Burks did some really fun stuff on the field as a collegiate player. Quinton Johnson did some really fun stuff um, as a collegiate player on the field. But their athletic testing was, I, I would say, good, not great, not like special. And they were talked about as both of these like freak athletes on the field, I think, because of their size and some of the stuff they did after the catch. But, you know, Burks had like, again, solid to good athletic testing last year. And Quinton Johnston, some of the results are really good. Like the vertical jump is really good, but you didn't necessarily have like that freaky change of direction stuff, that freaky um, 40 yard dash time at, at his size. So I think that th those two kind of remind me of the same way. And I, I viewed them both. Um, I put out rankings on receptionperception.com, the like last three years draft board for my wide receiver rankings stacked together. And those two guys are actually like 
I think back to back, if not like right in the same tier. So kind of similar draft processes to me these last couple of years. But I, I think for Quinton Johnson, to me, man, he he'll make a lot of sense to a team late in the first round. I, I think he certainly has some pro- he's just a volatile player. I'm not surprised that some people have him as like wide receiver five and other people have him as like the wide receiver one because, you know, size is a hell of a drug man at the wide receiver position. And like you mentioned, he stands out among the early picks in this class. And, you know, some of his RP metrics are really good, but it comes on a small handful of routes. And I feel like he's probably going to level out as being a really good complimentary receiver. Again, to make a comparison to last year's class, the way he could be used as a rookie and the way he might fit is very similar to like a Christian Watson type from last year where he's not going to run every route. He's not the most refined technician. And there are some ball skill questions there, but you get him in the open field, you get him after the catch. Like he's going to do some fun stuff and he can certainly rip you deep as well. Yeah, no, 100%. And and I do like Quentin. There's a lot of reasons to like Johnson. Right. And, you know, I think the fact that he is so, um, you know, the fact that he is really good after the catch, the fact that he can mm-hmm. make plays downfield, you know, it's a unique combination, right? And, you know, I think some of some of the concerns that, that you've laid out in the past in reception in his profile at receptionperception.com, you know, there are some things that are concerning. Now, me personally, like I, I don't think I could put him over a guy like JSN. You know, you know, JSN, you know, I know you're very fond of him as well. Like we all learned our lesson. You know, when Justin Jefferson was coming out, you know, not to pigeonhole wide receivers as slot only guys just because they happen to play that position in college. Right. And that's why reception, reception perception is such a powerful tool, because it helps us gauge whether a player can have success, you know, against man or press coverage on the outside. And Jason seems to have that ability. Like he had four yards per route run against man coverage in 2021. And, mm. you know, when you consider the year that Justin Jefferson had with Jamar Chase, on the field at the same time at LSU in that, you know, historic 2019 season, Chase wasn't in the league yet. So it wasn't as obvious, but with JSN, he outperformed both Chris Olave and Gary Wilson in 2021 by a lot, right? Like it wasn't just by a little, like 1600 yards for JSN in 2021 compared to 1000 yards and 900 yards for Wilson and Olave respectively. Now these two, these two dudes already proved it at the next level, right? So that alone you know, for me is probably like the most weighted factor when evaluating JSN and how I think he might, you know, be at the next level. Would you, would you kind of agree with that sentiment? And, you know, some of it obviously is he's in the draft process right now. They want to get their boy, you know, drafted high. They want to pump him up, but you know, both of those guys have said to me, Uh, And they've said to basically anybody that will listen that Jackson Smith and Jigba is the better of is the best of the three of them. Uh, And Brian Hartline has said it interviews again. He's in the draft process right now. You know, they want to hype him up. I I totally get that. But which uh, is funny. I was kind of surprised that he didn't put him like Brian Hartline didn't put him at number one over Marvin Harrison. But I think if he did that, a lot of people would have been like, all right, all right, Brian, like, come on, let's 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 chill out. It also makes you think, like, man, how exciting is it going to be to talk about Marvin Harrison uh, Jr.? I, <laughs> yeah. I was already, I'm already talking about, like, I was talking to my wife about Marvin Harrison in the in, in the in the car yesterday, driving to a uh, on Saturday, driving to a friend's house. She's like, "We talk about it. I don't care." But, but that's, I'm excited. Okay, <laughs> we're all excited for Marvin Harrison Jr. Brian Hartline is yeah. even excited. So yeah, man, it's um, it, I mean, that, God, what an embarrassment of riches. You forget, like, he Hartline coached Terry McLaurin too. He turned out to be a pretty good player as well. Um, but yeah, man, he. I think Jackson Smith and Jig was just, you know, you mentioned the man coverage beating ability. He's second among the prospects for this year's class and success rate versus man coverage. Um, I just, just a bit ahead of Quinton Johnson as well. I, I agree to me. I think JSN is in a tier of his own in this draft class because I think he has the ability to be more than a slot only player, you know, being a flanker on the outside. I think he can do that. You're probably not going to want to line him up at X receiver and have him run the intermediate and vertical route trees, but he is really good um, on those in-breaking intermediate routes. Like he, I think he runs the best dig route in the class. He turns guys around so well there. He's a fun player, man. I think he's very safe as well. Like he, he, he to me has a really low, I, I guess, chance to bust like out of the league completely because you see him being such a good, reliable slot receiver. Uh, but I do think he has a really high ceiling. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to say he's going to be Justin Jefferson, but I love that comparison that you make that, you know, Justin Jefferson was placed in the slot because they wanted to get Chase as that outside X receiver in college. And like, how do we get these guys on the field together? And look, guys love guys love to play in the slot. I mean, 
any receiver I talk to, it's it's like kind of surprising when the first thing they don't say, if I ask them like, where do you where do you love to line up? It's almost kind of surprising if they don't say the slot first because they get so many of these advantageous matchups. And you definitely saw it with JSN in college. I think you'll see it in the NFL too. He, he feels like a really, really good player that I do think could be, my player comparison for him is Keenan Allen. I think he, he reminds me a lot of Keenan Allen. Now, his, his, his former teammates, Olave and Wilson, are probably both considered top 10 dynasty wide receivers at this point. Yeah. Would you say that JSN has a, a ceiling that's close to these guys? Like, I, I know that your comparison is Keenan Allen. And when you say Keenan Allen, you don't think ceiling. You think mm-hmm. amazing floor. You know, this guy can is, is capable of eight, nine, ten more than that catches per game. But does, do they have the ceiling of a guy who's lining up on the outside, you know, getting those deep shots, bigger plays? And, you know, JSN, I, I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, JSN had the highest percentage of catches in 20 throughout his career that went for 15 or more yards. So as a slot receiver, he was still making big plays after the catch targeted downfield. Um, but do, does he have the same type of upside as Olave and Garrett Wilson? Oh, sure. I, I, well, that's the thing, right? Like I just said that, you know, all these people say that Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best of these three. Even Olave and Wilson have, have said that to me. Like they think he's better than them. I disagree. Like I, <laughs> my my personal evaluation is that I think Garrett Wilson was a better prospect. Um, I think that Chris Olave was a better prospect over the last three years, like 2021, 2022, and 2023. I, Chris Olave has my second highest grade other than Jamar Chase. Like I loved Chris Olave as a prospect. You, you know, I was such a big fan of him last year. I think, Smith and Jigba is the third best of these guys. This is my, my personal evaluation. So um, the ceiling perspective, and because what we saw those guys do last year from a production standpoint with, you know, pretty bad, bad to middling quarterback play, right. I think is a good kind way to say it uh, for, for <laughs> some of these guys. That was just so impressive. And I think they are those type of talents. And I think JSN could do that. I think he could produce with like an Andy Dalton type at quarterback, but um it's gonna. I think it would take the right landing spot for him to be immediately considered a top ten dynasty receiver. Uh, but yeah, I think he'll hang around for me. Probably some of the like the fringes of twelve to fifteen type of range. But he's such a good prospect, and I think if you take him very early in your dynasty rookie draft, I think you're going to be at worst very very happy for like five to seven years because he's going to have just uh, such an easy projection. I mean, listen, I will take Keenan Allen. Like if he's Keenan Allen, right. that's a great, you know, great dynasty play. Like he's been doing it forever. You know, he's like past 30 and he's still getting it done. He's probably gonna have another great year this year. Um, so yeah, no, I, I love it. Now, I want to get to Zay Flowers and Jordan mm-hmm. Adams. And it's it's interesting because I think both of these guys are in a similar tier for me. I I, I usually try not to overvalue landing spot, especially in dynasty, but if one of these guys lands with Mahomes. For example, mm-hmm. like I, I'm not going to hesitate to put one over the other, right? And as and as of right now, it doesn't seem like Zay Flowers falls out of the top twenty at this point. But even Addison might not fall, you know, after that early twenties range. You know, with you know, there's a Chargers, Ravens, and Vikings sitting at like twenty one, twenty two, and twenty three. You know, and you know, I'll say this: when looking at the numbers, and and if I'm a, if I'm only looking at the spreadsheet and like not watching these guys on film at all, right? To me. Uh, I would say that Addison pops more, right? He broke out at 18, top 10 in yards per route run each of the last two seasons in the Power 5. Had a stupid good year at Pitt. That 2021 mm-hmm. season was absolutely Crazy. bonkers, dude. Um, and, you know, before transferring to, to USC, of course. But he's had more, you know, big plays per target. His team has been targeting him more, you know, when they do pass the ball. But when I watch Zay, <laughs> I'm like, man, like, he, he just looks better to me. Like, you know, so I want to get your evaluation. Like, talk to me about who you like more out of these two in a vacuum. Um, you know, are they somewhat close for you? And, you know, who would you th- consider having the higher ceiling between these two guys? Yeah, man, I, I, you hit it on the head for me, too. I've gone, like, back and forth between um, my my rankings. Like, wh- who do I like better? You know, just as pure players. Um, obviously, we'll figure out who we like better from like a dynasty rankings perspective when we see the landing spot. Cause that could be a great tiebreaker. You know, Charles McDonald made a great point that um, on our, on our Yahoo podcast that I got like Jordan Addison, who's a, a smaller guy who we don't think, 
you know, is going to necessarily be, he's not, he's not going to be like blow by you in the vertical game for him to make really big plays on the routes that I like best for him, especially because he might not be the best contested catch player. Now I keep, I keep, um, I keep bringing up that <laughs> I keep bringing up that like Jahan Dotson and Jordan Addison, I think are very similar as players. Um, the thing that made Jahan Dotson such a, a great player and a great prospect and, and so easy to translate to the pro game was that he was like a freak in the contested catch game, despite being, you know, for a long time in his collegiate career, at least sub 180 pounds. Uh, I, I think that Jordan Addison maybe could get there, but I don't want to necessarily project that. So like a strong arm quarterback could be a really good thing for uh, Jahan or for, for Jordan dots or for Jordan Addison. See, I'm already mixing them up in my head, <laughs> like on those dig routes and post routes and some of the ways he made big plays in, on that, in that pit season, like a guy like Justin Herbert is a great fit for uh, Jordan Addison. So that might be like the post draft tiebreaker for me, but as pure players, I'm with you that I like Zay flowers just a little bit better. And I think when you look at their reception perception metrics, the big difference, like 73.1% success rate versus man uh, for Zay flowers, 71.3% for Jordan Addison. That's pretty close. 80% success rate versus zone for Jordan Addison, 80.6% for Zay flowers. That's pretty close. The biggest difference though um, is 51.1% success rate versus press for Jordan Addison. Not great. 72.7% success rate versus press for Zay flowers. That's a pretty big big gap there and I think that Jordan Addison is going to be best working as a flanker and even maybe a majority slot receiver which I felt pretty similar about Jahan Dotson last year as well so that's why I keep making that comparison for Zay Flowers I think it's sacrilegious and should be like a 30-day minimum jail sentence to compare somebody to Antonio Brown because Antonio Brown was that good at his peak but I understand why people make those comparisons because he's a small guy who I think can hack it against press coverage, who's plays with a ton of aggression, a ton of fire, and is an explosive route runner downfield. I think you could see Zay Flowers, and you see a lot of him doing this in college, like winning in the vertical game against physical press coverage on the outside as a true X receiver. I think Jordan Addison, when he lines up as an X receiver and he runs like pure go routes against press coverage on the outside, that's where he really struggles. And that's what brings down that overall success rate. So I'm with you that Zay flowers as a player. I like just a little bit better. And I think he could play all three receiver spots, including the X receiver spot where I think Jordan Addison is probably more, of a flanker slot guy, which no shade to Jordan Addison, very good player, but that's what breaks the tie for me and why I eventually said that I think Zay Flowers is a little bit better prospect. Now, would you throw, and you mentioned the contested catches, right? Would you throw Josh Downs in a similar tier? Like, is he a 2B in this tier or is he a tier below? Because, you know, these two guys might be gone before like Casey's first, you know, pick in the first, mm-hmm. you know, they pick, they have the last pick in the first round, you know, like Casey's kind of my dream landing spot. You know, for Josh Downs, uh, you know, mm. assuming that both Flowers and Addison are off the board, like you know, I want Casey to either grab, like you know, in my selfish fantasy world, I want him, I want Casey to either grab Josh Downs at thirty-one or Jameer Gibbs at thirty-one. I think either one of those mm. guys would be amazing. Yeah, you've mentioned the Jameer Gibbs. I think when you were on uh, the Yahoo Fantasy podcast, and I think that I like, I do like that fit a lot. That would be really fun. Um, basically, give the I, a little, maybe a little too like Ghost of Clyde edwards alaire The more I've thought about it, that I might that might send like Chiefs fans uh, hearts a flutter <laughs> a little bit too too much, um, and not in a good way. But the um, Josh Downs is interesting just because I think they have so many slot prospects. And look, I, I love Josh Downs, dude. I I'm, I mentioned that one guy has a higher success rate versus man coverage than, than uh, JSN in this class, and it's Josh Downs in reception perception. I, I love the way he beats man coverage, and he's a good zone beater as well. You see him win against press coverage as well. I mean, you know, on the limited reps you get against press coverage on the outside, I mean, you see him line up outside, not like 90% slot type of guy. He, he's been at least like probably 18% on the outside, at least in the games that I sampled. So, and the contested catch stuff, man, like, yeah, he has the highest contested catch uh, conversion rate in the class for me. Uh, He's so good at his size working on those 50, 50 balls. Um, Great red zone receiver. I think he'll end up being very good in that area. Um, I am a coward and I ended up having him as my wide receiver five with Quinton Johnson, one spot ahead. Uh, I, but I think all of these guys to answer your question are in the same bucket. Like I think they're all, late first, early second round type guys. And Josh Downs reminds me so much of Sterling Shepard. And I know that's not necessarily going to be like, oh, wow, Sterling Shepard. But man, 
Sterling Shepard, whenever he's on the field, it's like 10 targets, book it every yeah. single time because he's such a good route runner. He always gets open. It's just been the injuries, and I think Sterling Shepard's a good contested catch receiver too. So I kind of would love um, – uh, yeah, I would love uh, Josh Downs to go to any team that's going to run a lot of 11 personnel and needs that slot receiver. Um, I do think he could play a little bit in two receiver sets. It's just the size, obviously, is going to be a concern at 5'9", 170-something pounds. Like, that that might limit him to be a slot-only player, but nothing about his skill set, nothing about what he shows you on the field is like, oh, this is a, a little pop-gun slot receiver type. He brings a lot of juice to the field. Yeah, man. Like he has some really good double moves that I've seen. Like some some stuff around the around the goal line, and just mm-hmm. you know, he 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 works the underneath well enough where like DBs are, are afraid of it, and you know yeah. he can he can hit that double move really well. That's one thing that I noticed about him that that really popped. Now, someone that I think could be going later than I think he deserves to is Marvin Mims. Like it's possible he ends up going in the second round, but the last that I saw, he's still a considered a third round receiver and he broke out at 18 as well 2.95 yards per route run over his career that's the second highest in this class only behind jsn big play guy he had one of the best catches i've seen this offseason catching the ball behind the defenders back against texas tech yeah right along the right right sideline there but Four eight. Oh, I love. I actually love the the Caleb Williams, uh, Marvin Mims touchdown in twenty twenty one. I think is the yeah. against Texas against Texas. I think is the best. Uh, he's got a lot of impressive catches to the to he the does. point that we're like I, when you said that I was thinking about a different one. That's how you know you're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. The one I was talking about, the one on the right sideline against Texas yep. Tech behind. Like I needed to see like three or four replays before I could re- even realize what happened. Like how did he mm-hmm. how did he catch it? You know. Yeah. Um. But, you know, you look at, you know, he ran a 4-3-8, right? Um, and obviously, you know, once you run a 4-3-8, you got everyone's attention, right? So it is possible that because of that, teams are like, all right, maybe we'll consider him, you know, in the second round. But then the analytics supports it too. You know, he's bigger than Flowers. He's bigger than Addison. He's bigger than Downs. You know, 5'11", 183. Still considered a smaller wide receiver probably. But, you know, what do you make of Mims? Because to me, I think he deserves to be t- taken in the second round. Like, you know, it could be a bit of a, you know, quote unquote sleeper. I guess you're not really a sleeper if it's being taken the second round, but like not someone that a lot of guys are talking about right now. Yeah, I like Marvin Mims. I think he's, you know, I could see him being a, a late second round pick. I think he'd be a really great third round pick uh, to me. Guy who, you know, he's, he's fun. Like you mentioned, he tracks the ball really well. He reminds me a lot of John Brown and, you know, if the longtime reception perception heads out there know that I love John Brown, you know, I was one of uh, the biggest John Brown fans ever. And he actually reminds me a lot of, um, I, I keep coming back to this conversation I had years and years ago with uh, Sigmund Bloom and the late great Chris Wessling about um, John Brown and how he was like, you know, those show dogs uh, like where you throw the Frisbee and they go and like catch it, you know, but they run under it and like they kind of grab it just like that. Like <laughs> yeah. that was like John Brown working deep, like post routes, deep corner routes and, and go routes as a very, very young player in like 2015 with the Cardinals. 2015, 2014 uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. And he would like run under that, those deep balls, like like a dog getting a Frisbee. And I think Marvin Mims, the way he tracks the ball and his speed and his vertical route running is very, very similar to a guy like John Brown, T Y Hilton, same sort of axis of players. I think he would be, he would fit best as like a speed slot receiver. I've got enough questions with him about like his ability against press coverage. I mean, you just don't see very many reps with him against press coverage and in the role that, cause he played a lot of speed slot receiver, uh, for Oklahoma in the last two years. So I, I'm a big fan of Marvin Mims. I, I think he's probably, I, I would, I would say that some people have him rated higher than I do. Like you said, the like spreadsheet bros are all on Marvin Mims because of some of like the production and, you know, the team adjusted production stuff. I'm, I'm kind of right there, but a little bit lower. I think he's a guy who, he might he might be a, a really good like number three receiver in the NFL. That probably is is where I see him. But you know, again, that's where John Brown started. And then there were several years of John Brown's career where he functioned as like a pseudo number one receiver for the Baltimore Ravens, a pseudo number one receiver for the Buffalo Bills when Josh Allen was growing up there. So I think he could be um that, that's a, it's a really comfortable player comparison for me. I think that can put his game into context. Now, who would you prefer between him and Jaden Reed? Like similar size, right? Both yeah. at Pretty much 5'11", 187. Um, Reed, so I was at the Senior Bowl, and mm-hmm. Reed was separating with ease, dude. <laughs> like, like one-on-ones, yeah. like, he had these cornerbacks in his pocket. Like, there was no more impressive route runner at the Senior Bowl than Reed to me. 
Um, and I know the Michigan State offense took a step back this past season, but you know, as a senior, like I, you know, I would have hoped that Reed would really come through with a better year, like follow up that really good junior year that he had. You know, is I, I'm assuming you think that Reed is the better route runner than Mims, potentially the better separator um, between the two guys. So uh that's the question i pose to you like both could be going in a similar range in the draft if you were an nfl gm a fantasy gm you know who would you take a shot on between these two guys i like Jaden reed a little bit better um i have him ranked really highly as like a very good day two receiver uh i, I think he actually has a number one success rate versus press in the class which i think w- people would find surprising but he shows a great amount of detail a great amount of um technical nuance as a you know getting off the line of scrimmage against press coverage and you see him a lot like zay flowers play all three receiver positions on tape you see him play x you see him play in the slot you see him play as a flanker um i think he could fit at any three of those positions in the nfl and and for Oz, he's so interesting because he's like two tweaks away from being a great, great player. Um, I think there is like some Terry McLaurin to his game um, in the way that he can track the ball, win in tight coverage, win in contested situations. But again, he's like two tweaks away from being Terry McLaurin level at the contest. And you know, I love Terry McLaurin, man. You know, I'm, I'm yes. like a big, big <laughs> McLaurin guy. So this is, this is high praise for me to say this, that he's like two tweaks away as a contested catch player from being like the way Terry McLaurin is with those 50-50 balls. And as a route runner too, he's like two tweaks away tighten up his fundamentals there he could be a terry mclaurin level route runner um i I think he's a tough physical player too for his size i'm a big big Jaden reed fan i i want him to land on like some depth chart that he can climb uh pretty similar to again mclaurin did you know as a a prospect coming out of ohio state like there wasn't a ton of fanfare around him but you watch him early on in his nfl career and you're like oh yeah dude this is a pro like that's a pro level receiver and he climbed that depth chart pretty quickly in washington yeah, maybe he could follow his footsteps uh, coming out of the senior ball as well. Um, yeah, now, true. There is another pair of, um, you know, bigger, maybe potential X receivers who could go off the board in day two. Maybe one of them can sneak into, into round one. I know that Daniel Jeremiah has his eyes on Cedric Tillman. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's Tillman at, you know, he's 6'3", 213 coming out of Tennessee. Someone who I personally have him ranked over Jalen Hyatt and we'll talk about him in a sec but mm-hmm. you know there's Quentin Johnson of course we talked about at 63208 and then there's Jonathan Mingo out of Mississippi uh you know also someone who is probably could be the fastest riser among all the wide receivers yeah. honestly uh th- this offseason you know on paper Mingo has an absolutely terrible profile dude like 21 year old breakout age 1.48 career yards per route run that's the worst in this class um he had two 300-yard seasons receiving. Not, not. I'm not talking about 300-yard games. 300-yard seasons before hitting an 800-yard <laughs> season last year as a senior, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's 6'2", 220, and runs a 4'6", 440, okay? Um, now, when watching him, like, I don't see a ton of the 4'4", speed, especially when he, once he has the ball in his hands. Like, I've seen DBs catch up to him. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was at the Senior Bowl, and, and I've been saying this, that, me personally, like I, I was not looking for Mingo at all. Like, I just assumed that he wasn't good. Okay, yeah. coming into the Senior Bowl, and you know he, but he was making catch after catch after catch, and like I like during the practices, and I couldn't help but notice, you know, his production throughout that week of practice. So, you know, then I had to watch more film on him, of course, after after all the hype, and there's definitely some intrigue. I, I kind of get it, you know, and you know these guys might be different types of receivers. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts on these two, on, on Tillman uh, and Mingo, you know, what their futures might hold in the NFL. Like, are they being overvalued because of the lack of size in this draft class? Like, can they actually turn into productive wide receivers in the NFL? Yeah, I think let's start with Mingo because I think he's interesting. And, and you're right. He's gotten a lot of steam lately. And I've said all along that I think NFL GMs, decision makers, um, like NFL scouts and and people that watch the game with more of an NFL eye are going to like Jonathan Mingo a lot more than like dynasty folks. Um, because you're right that he stands out in the class in terms of his size and the speed combination, but I actually don't think he's an X receiver. Um, I think he's probably his, I, this is really interesting. If you look at his profile in um, the 2023 uh, prospects for, for reception perception, and you look at Amon Ross St. Brown's uh, profile from 2021, 
they're so similar. I mean, the success rates are incredibly similar. And Amon Ross St. Brown was a guy who went in the fourth round, and he was playing about 70% of his snaps outside in the games I sampled in his final USC season there. And with uh, with Jonathan Mingo, about 65 to 70 percent of his snaps outside in the game sampled at Ole Miss in his final season and for both of these guys I keep watching you know same with St. Brown that year I'm watching like this is I wrote in the profile my guts my instincts tell me he's a big slot receiver like a power slot receiver in the NFL that he would thrive in like a Cooper Cup type of role and that is pretty much exactly what has happened with him as a Detroit Lions player and I think that role is really good for Jonathan Mingo too and you actually see Ole Miss occasionally bring him tight to the line of scrimmage uh, bring him in the back field to do some blocking pretty similar to like what the Green Bay Packers had done with Alan Lazard over the years and I think Mingo plays with the bully ball attitude that people that watch the game are really gonna like both after the catch and at the catch point good contested catch receiver and he he does sneak up on you not as a speed guy after the catch I agree with you on that but like as a tackle breaker he will bring a physical approach now again he's going to only thrive on a small handful of routes that are like slants flats you know um, closer to the line of scrimmage curls that type of thing but those were the kind of the routes for Amon Ross St. Brown too so I would love to see Jonathan Mingo not as an NFL X receiver, I'd actually love to see him sort of in that uh, St. Brown type of role, um, you know, because, man, he he really he re- I think he'd be great there, especially what he does as a blocker. Now, Cedric Tillman, I do agree, is like the probably because Quinton Johnston is a bit of a like a not 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 a bad player, but like a strange profile. I'm not sure that he's like a day one X receiver. I actually think you could argue that Cedric Tillman's the best X receiver prospect in the class, just because you see him line up on the line of scrimmage all the time. It's still that Looney Tunes, Tennessee offense, but he's doing much more NFL translatable things than Jalen Hyatt. Who, like you said, we'll talk about him later, but I think he's got the best ball skills in the class. Cedric Tillman, he tracks the ball. Well, um, he's the guy that will win on posts, win on uh, corner routes. He's not going to necessarily just blaze by you as an X receiver. Struggles a little bit with press coverage when guys are really able to get their hand on him. He's he's not a guy that's going to slip away from press in that way. But, um, you know, I think he could be like a Cortland Sutton type of player. His RP metrics are pretty similar to Cortland Sutton's best year in 2019 with the Denver Broncos. Very interesting. So, so you know, if a team is looking so, – so it seems to me like different types of teams will be looking at these two diff- players very differently. So if you're looking mm-hmm. for a pure X, it's going to be Tillman. If they're looking for someone who could potentially play a big slot, you know, some, you know, um, the guy that I thought of was Juju, uh, but mm-hmm, except yep. like you know, Juju doesn't have the speed that Mingo does, um, and you know, is kind of playing a big slot type of role. So I can see that. Um, so, but with the speed, obviously, and the size, you know, de- is definitely intriguing for a lot of NFL teams. And for me, uh, you know, my my process has always been like, hey, listen, like if you're going to be a good NFL wide receiver, like at the end of the day, like those are the guys that I want to invest in in dynasty too, because mm-hmm. I want the longevity, like a guy who, you know, could be a great prospect on paper. Like, are you going to be a good NFL wide receiver? Cause if you're not, then there is no reason, you know, for me to invest in you. Right. Same thing. I'm looking at this quarterback class, you know, obviously, you know, people are enamored by, you know, a lot of rushing skills. Like look at Malik, look at Malik Willis last year. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, go for the guys who you think will be on the field, right? Who can win an NFL job, who can help you win. Um, those are the guys that are going to help you, you know, long-term in Dynasty as well. So I, I really like that take. I think Jonathan Mingo, you know, even though, you know, the spreadsheets say that, you know, this is not someone you you should be investing in, it seems to me like the fact that you a teams can get him on day two, he seems to be, you know, somebody that I saw with my own eyes that – and there's a lot of good receivers, you know, at the Senior Bowl this past, you know, this past, you know, a couple months ago. I think Jonathan Mingo, you know, the fact that he did it there too, it's telling me that this is someone that I should be investing in and take and just take those shots when you can. Now, Cedric yeah. Tillman, you know, it's really hard for me to figure that out because it's like you have one guy on that offense, Jalen Hyatt, who like I can't get a feel for at all. Okay, and yeah. you know, and and it's funny because with Tillman, you know, even though the offense, like you, you call it Looney Tunes offense, and that's a very, very good term for it. It's like you can kind of figure out what he's doing because he's actually lining up on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hyatt, like I feel like I have him ranked too low. Like I have, dude, I have him as my wide receiver 11. 
Wow. And, yeah. You know, and th- that could be really low. And, you know, you might tell me that it's way too low, but I feel like that Tennessee offense, like after talking to, like, I'm not an expert there, but after talking to a lot of college guys, you know, who know way more than I do on this, that high production is a bit of a mirage. And for mm-hmm. him to do that in the NFL, he'll probably have to go to the perfect system, you know, which allows him to line up off the line all the time. Um, and then he'll be able to do, you know, more than one or two things for that offense. And so what is your gauge on Hyatt, man? Like, am I way too low on him? Like, is it possible that he ends up, you know, being Deshaun Jackson or, you know, even be my concern that he's not a target earner. Like that, mm-hmm. that's what, those are the kind of guys that I want to invest in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, no, t- totally. And for one, your, your sources are so right. That production in that offense is fake news. I'm sorry. But like the, the amount of, the amount of translatable Sunday plays you see in that offense is it's just so limited. Even Tillman, who, like I said, I like his, he ran almost 40% of his routes in the game sampled, which I sampled from 2021 for Tillman. Cause he was so hurt in 2022, 40% of his routes were curl routes. Um, let me tell you what, that's not, that's not happening in the NFL. I mean, even, even if we're talking <laughs> about him playing like an X receiver role, like he's, he's not going to be running 40% curl routes. You're going to have to expand that route tree. And I mean, People who don't watch, and I don't watch a lot of college football in season, so really I'm just watching college football like from an all-22 film perspective Um, because Tennessee's offense is so fun, and it's great for winning games on Saturday, but in terms of scouting for the NFL, it's really different. I mean, the entire college game for us, I'm sure you have the same feeling when you like go from watching NFL guys to the, like watch and then watching in college, the hash marks are literally literally different in, the, in college yeah. football. Like the hash marks are wider, so you can – like the ball snapped on this left side over here, you have an ungodly amount of space to work with from an offensive perspective. And you see these guys line up basically in stack formation, like Tillman on the line right next to the sideline and then Hyatt like right behind him. You're just, you're never going to see that in the NFL period. The rules literally don't allow it because the hash marks are different. So from a defensive perspective, you have all that space to deal with. Um, you still have to worry about the rushing threat from the running back and the quarterback. So you can't dedicate extra resources to that. It's just, it's not possible to cover a player that like Jalen Hyatt, who I do think has legitimate speed. Um, you know, his nine route success rates really high in, in RP. I'll say that like, you know, he can, he can fly for sure, but all you got to do is just split those safeties. And as the quarterback, if you can hold on to the ball long enough for him to split the safeties as that stack slot receiver there, you're going to hit like a deep play down the field and it's going to look like, why was nobody covering Jalen Hyatt? It's like, well, because you literally can't cover that amount of space. So again, great Saturday stuff. That's what I saw every single time. Like every time he caught a touchdown, I'm like, where's the defender? Like, and and you saw it right away too. Like he'll hit a post or something. It's like, he's lining up behind the guy, almost hidden. You have one safety Mm -hmm. up there and then like Hyatt's gone, dude. And it's like, yeah. I don't know how to translate that. Like, I don't know how to say, like, okay, like, there's no way Hyatt does that at the next level, like, on a consistent basis no. in terms of the defense not being able to cover that play. <laughs> yeah. You, you, I mean, again, that role, because I've had people ask that, well, why won't his NFL team just replicate that role? Because you can't. It's not, it's just not possible with the hash mark differences, with the amount of stack formation, with how far they can line up, uh, you know, to the sideline. It's just, it's just not possible. But, um, you know, I've seen people compare him to like Will Fuller. Uh, and I, I think that could make sense from like a how Will Fuller produced because. Probably the best years of Will Fuller outside of the year where he got busted for PEDs, you know, after DeAndre Hopkins was traded. But like the best years of Will Fuller came when Deshaun Watson was really good as not just a passer, but also as a runner. And the Texans also liked to run the ball a good bit. So there was that threat of the run game. But they also had DeAndre Hopkins lined up as like a true coverage dictating X receiver. And, you know, then you had Will Fuller over here on one side of the field. And from a defensive perspective, you need to dedicate extra resources to Will Fuller because of his speed. But you also have to double DeAndre Hopkins. So you put defenses in a bind that way. And, And Will Fuller, you would see just rip one guy up on a go route and 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 that was how he produced those big games so i get it from high perspective there but like i also i've seen josh norris from underdog fantasy compare him to um to ted ginn jalen hyatt and like if he has a ted ginn career as a second round pick or late like that's fine it's just when you take that guy in the first round i think you put all these expectations on him so i think we both agree that he's probably 
like he probably has a home in the NFL, but it's probably as a role player. And I don't think he's going to, like you've mentioned target earner. I don't think he's going to be having like, I don't think you're feeding this guy 130, 140 targets. You're maybe feeding him 90 targets a year. And those 90 targets might be awesome. Well, like 50% of them might be awesome. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just not the same type as some of these other guys. You mentioned Will Fuller too, like that one year, right? Where he was running different types of routes and he was winning underneath and he was getting those targets underneath, intermediate, and he wasn't just catching those long balls, you know. And to me, like Will Fuller actually put together a season where he became a target earner, you know, and not just winning downfield. Um, so mm-hmm. that was an interesting season. And listen, if Hyatt can have that in him, great. But I just don't know that he does. And, and that's my concern. Keep, keep in that, mind, too, that was what, like six, five, six years into Will Fuller's career. Exactly. Um, right. So that that's another thing, too, is like it's going to these players can develop into more. It just is going to take longer. Again, the ch- lack of translatable snaps you get from Jalen Hyatt is is very, very alarming, especially when we're talking about a, a guy that might go in the first round. You know, um, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. Now, another interesting pro- uh, prospect for me is Xavier Hutchinson, another guy that I had a little bit trouble in terms of projecting him at the next level. 6'2", 203, so a bigger guy compared to these other wide receivers. But, like, you know, I kind of feel like he's like a jack-of-all-trades, someone who will be productive. You know, he was one of the most productive wide receivers in this draft class. Might be an early day three guy. Maybe he could sneak into the third. But 272 yards per route run last year, 2.55 the year before, very solid. Uh, Average 90 catches for 111 yards over the last two seasons at Iowa State. Um, Doesn't seem like an explosive receiver to me, but, you know, someone who could get it done short, intermediate, maybe a big slot. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I really want to hear your thoughts on him because I kind of feel like he'll be a fringe two guy to bet on outside of the top guys everyone has been talking about. Um, he had a little bit of a weak day one at the Senior Bowl. I talked to him. He was disappointed in his day one. He came back mm. day two and killed it. He, he you know, he mm. had a big day two. Talked to him after day two. He was like, that was way more like it. Um, and he kind of got comfortable because, you know, you're, you're dealing with a new quarterback. You're dealing with a new system and all that kind of stuff. And you have to absorb a lot uh, during that week of practice. So it was something interesting to see. Want to hear your thoughts uh, on, on Hutch. Um, you know, someone who I think could be a little bit of a diamond in the rough. Yeah, I think that's a. a, I agree with almost everything you said about him, even down to the point of the Senior Bowl stuff. Like, I think he's, um, you know, potentially a guy who can be a little rocky, like series to series, even as a player. And, you know, some of the stuff I really like about him, like, he'll show you great ball skills and, um, great timing and great um like extension of his hands and stuff like that the stuff you really want quentin johnson to do on a consistent basis um but you know then other times it'll be a little bit lax a little bit um you want more out of him and even as a route runner i kind of feel the same way too like there's some inconsistencies there but ultimately i agree that i think he's you know i'm gonna have a profile up on him soon on the website and like he's a guy who you're going to see the short routes, like you said, really good on those short routes, uh, slants, flats, um, even some even some like comeback stuff. He he ha- he shined a little bit, too. It's just I, I don't I, I, I kind of struggle to see him as anything more than like a really good complimentary, like number three receiver. And, you know, maybe a big slot type, I think, makes a lot of sense too. the size and the physicality is definitely there. But again, it's it sort of kind of comes and goes. So. I don't. I he, he's a guy that I like. I, I yeah. I I think he kind of the jack of all trades, master of none thing. Sort of similar to Jalen Tolbert last year. Now Tolbert like fl- you know, flamed out hard. Um, of right. course, like very very rough uh, rookie season for Jalen Tolbert. But I wrote the same thing for him that he's like a jack of all trades, master of none type. And Xavier Hutchinson kind of feels um, the same way. But I even liked Tolbert's ability in the vertical game a little bit more than I do for Hutchinson. Yeah, for sure. And Tober was tough too because you know he 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 was playing even against lesser competition than Hutch. At least Hutch yeah, was in the power yeah. power five, so like you can kind of understand what the level of competition was there. But Tobert, it was like it was a lot harder. So um, so it, he, probably shouldn't he, take think, that guy on in the third round, by the way. And like when you need, you're like, oh wow, let's take a guy from South Alabama in the third freaking <laughs> round when we need when we need a guy to like play you know. reps immediately. But hey, that's the Cowboys' problem, not ours. <laughs> for sure man and we'll see who we'll see who they end up taking to to kind of fill that out and, and it's interesting because the cowboys you know super you know real sidebar here but like you know they want Gallup to be their guy and all that he had the big contract but th- it seems like they're still looking for that for another wide receiver early in this relatively early in this draft so you know yeah. we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens there now 
there are a few wide receivers being taken later. You know, some could sneak into day two, but, you know, day three guys, potentially Tyler Scott, Parker Washington, Nathaniel Dell, who, by the way, like for me, like just a killer route runner, like in my opinion, like the, he at the senior bowl, like he was besides Jaden Reed, Nathaniel Dell, small as hell, was just like in these cornerbacks pockets, like nobody could hold him, dude. It was very similar. You know who was mm. similar to last year? Uh, what's his name, dude? Like what's his name? Uh, Pittsburgh Steeler now. A uh, real small oh, guy. Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin. Very similar. Calvin Austin yeah. had a really good, you know, senior ball as well. But like Tank Dell, like, dude, just shanking him, dude. Uh, it was yeah. great. Great, great to watch. But anyway, uh, AT Perry, another potential day three guy, bigger wide receiver, 6'4, 192. Uh, a couple of random favorites of mine, like Puka Nakua, Michael Wilson, uh, both those guys at the senior bowl, uh, most likely day three guys. But a- any of the guys that I just mentioned or anyone I didn't mention that we didn't talk about that you are taking a liking to and you, you think could potentially outperform where they're being drafted, you know, could be a value for NFL teams, could be a value, you know, for some dynasty rookie drafters who kind of want to take their shots. Yeah, I'll hit uh, two of the guys that you, you said there that I, I might like a little more than, um, you know, necessarily a day three or type stuff like that. A.T. Perry, I think, is interesting because A.T. Perry he just moves and looks like an NFL X receiver. Um, he's actually kind of like a Bud Light uh, George Pickens type. Uh, their some of their reception perception metrics are pretty similar. Um, and I always I said with Pickens too, you know the, the the media and the government don't want you to know that George Pickens like had a higher drop rate uh, than uh, Deontay Johnson last Oof. year at times. Uh, yeah, so like At uh, Perry definitely kind of comes and goes a little bit with his hands with his ball skills but i think even though pickens has these like outrageous catches um he does the same thing and from an nfl x receiver perspective especially the way what i liked about pickens the most was his fluidity and route running ability in college on like shorter routes as a true x receiver and you see that a little bit with at perry i mean great success rate on slants on curls um but he can definitely get you on post routes and corner routes. He's not going to stack. He doesn't have great. I think even though he timed well at his size, he didn't. He doesn't have like great long speed. He struggles to kind of stack guys on straight up go routes. But he can make big plays and he could definitely win in contested situations enough for me to think like, okay, yeah, as a developmental X receiver, maybe he fits somewhere on that like Devonte Parker, George Pickens axis of players. You know, George Pickens ceiling is yet to be kind of decided yet as a player too. So. I think that's a fair comparison. And uh, Puka, you brought up Puka, dude. I, I, I'm a big fan of his. I, I like him a lot. Um, he, he'll be in the rookie roundup post kind of closer to the draft, like guys I did some mini samples on. You know, I, what's the ceiling for a player like that? I, I'm not sure, but he sneaks up on you with his speed in the open field. I think he has pretty good buildup speed. And I like his route running and I like his toughness, um, you know, to make tight window catches. I think he would be, you know, again, what's the ceiling? Also, it seems like a guy that would crush it on special teams, too, because of the way he plays. Uh, so, you know, that and hey, when you're drafted on day three, by the way, you're going to have to, like, play some special teams and you're going to have yeah. to hack it and build that way. You build yourself up on the roster that way. Um, and and I think that Puka is a guy uh, who could be a potential diamond in the rough in this class too. If he goes to the right, it goes to the right spot. Cause I think he could play in the slot and I think he could also play outside a little bit too. So that positional versatility is, is good for a player like that. Dude. He, he was the biggest standout for me on day one at the senior bowl. Like he was catching everything, dude. And, and yeah, like, I was looking forward to seeing him in, in, you know, on day two, but I think they just pulled it. Like, so he just disappeared after day one. Like he has such a big day one and then mm. just disappeared and no one knew what happened. Like no one still, nobody knows what happened, but like literally he left, like he was just out of there. He left dude. Nobody saw him <laughs> after that. And I think they pulled Alec Pierce, like Alec Pierce the year before. Oh yeah. Uh, he had a big day one and they just pulled him and they said, okay, that's it. You don't have to play in the game. You don't have to practice anymore. And I think that's, that's pretty much what happened with Puka where he had, he, dude, I would say like out of every like pass play, like he was probably catching a ball or targeted, like mostly catching the ball, like one out of like every two and a half plays. Something like Crazy. that, and it was like, like yeah, hey, man. we need to get some other guys' attention here, <laughs> right? No, well, and, and but I think it was just the agent. Like that's my assumption. His agent was just mm. like, hey, like you did enough. Enough guys are watching. We got enough attention. Let, let's 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 not get hurt, because uh, you know he had a lot of injury issues in college, injuries, yeah. um, and that's probably one of the reasons why he didn't do his thing. Like just for those who are listening, he averaged three point five three yards per route run like last year, which was second 
uh, among like those 200 wide receivers who had 50 targets last year. He was second among all of them. So like he has the he has you know a lot of that ability, and you know if he stays healthy, he, he could like I said become a diamond in the rough. So. Yeah, man. Um, that's I think that's gonna do it for this episode, man. Like, I love it. Thank you so much for this episode. Thanks for joining, man. I know you're a busy guy. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. I always love uh, our pre-draft visits and and getting to talk about these wide receivers. Uh, it feels like we see this class pretty similarly. And like, I really do think that the biggest stuff that's gonna come out of this class when talking about these um, talking about these players is more like again because if you if you've got the sense so far, like yeah, it's it's not it's not as exciting of a class as it was maybe in 21 at the top or 22. Like I, you know, those guys we talked about Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, like, you know, potential top 10, like top 10 pick worthy type guys. We don't have that necessarily in this class, but I think a lot of the interesting discussions like we had here today are like, how do we view the wide receiver position as a whole? And I think that can help us find these diamond and rough type guys who eventually find the right role in the NFL. You know, a guy like Mingo, maybe playing out of position a little bit as a collegiate player. And that's why people don't, like not everybody likes him, but if you think about a different role from him in the NFL, it could be it could be interesting. So I appreciate you, man. It's, it's always good to talk uh, pre-draft these players. I'm excited to see where they all land here pretty soon. Yeah, man. Same here. Uh, now you can find Matt's work at receptionperception.com. Very well worth it. Make sure to subscribe to his Reception Perception podcast as well uh, that he do- does with the man James Coe. Amazing hilarious James Coe. So we'll you know we'll. we'll We'll keep you guys updated. I'm going to be continually, you know, looking at Matt's uh, content over there, and I'll let you guys know if I see anything good. Um, but listen, like, if you know Matt's work, like, you know that, you, you know, you see that someone that he likes, like, you're just waiting for that guy to break out in the NFL, and we've seen it happen <laughs> over and over and over again. So for that, we thank you, Matt, for being so generous and doing that work for us and giving it to the world. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to that episode with Matt Harmon. Man, he brought the goods. We know what's up with this wide receiver class. Before you guys go, please take the time to go check out the new Upper Hand Fantasy Football rookie draft kit that just came out very recently. It's on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Upper Hand Fantasy. The links are in the podcast description. Please go check it out. I appreciate you guys. If you're already part of the homies tier on the Patreon, you already have access. If you're uh, if you're a diehard on the, on the um, Patreon, you already have access. If you don't have it already, this would be a great time to get in because not only will you get access to the rookie draft kit, but you'll also have access to the top 250 Dynasty rankings that include Superflex now. Just updated that. The Dynasty rankings, by the way, have just been updated very recently, a couple of days ago. Uh, we're going to be coming out with a season-long draft kit, the 2023 draft kit that's coming out early summer. So you'll have that as well as part of the homies tier on Patreon and yeah, and we're going to have rankings and all that coming out as the season gets closer. So make sure to check it out. There's a bunch of other perks as well, including Discord access, access to me through text messaging. If you have any questions, all that kind of stuff, check out the Patreon. Check out the draft kit. Appreciate you guys. Talk to you soon.